chapter 6. John chapter 6. This will be the second message in the Christ is series. And tonight we'll be looking at Christ is the bread of life. Christ is the bread of life. John chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses, uh, reading verses 6, or 44 to 58. 44 to 58. And our main text will be 47 to 51. 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I'll raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father save he which is of God. Of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now note that word, hath. Isn't that wonderful? Hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Now he's talking to the Jews here and he's he's bringing back some History of what happened when they wandered in the wilderness and manna came from heaven. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. So so the Israelites, they ate the manna in the wilderness, but they still died, right? Now Christ is saying right here, he's, he's contrasting himself to that manna. And how he is the bread of life. He's, he's told us in verse 48, I am that bread of life. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, Christ, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread, verse 51, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Notice, he shall. It's not a, it's not a question. And the bread that I give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Now, a little comment on the world there. The Jews believed, and the Roman Empire believed that they were the world. Everyone else was just heathens. So that's the context of that. Gil brings that out really good in his commentary on John 3.16, that the world, when they say world there, it doesn't mean everyone in the world. Oh, but we know that Christ did give his life for all his people. All his people, Jew and Gentile, right? Everyone, all his elect, of all the ages. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood drinketh, or dwelleth in me, and I in him. 
And, and we know the Lord's not talking about cannibalism here. He's, this is spiritual he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual things here. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so that he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which come down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall. There's another one of them words. Shall. This is the master saying this. This is God incarnate in the flesh. Shall live forever. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is the believer's food and drink. <clears throat> and we feast upon him in the gospel. When we sing praises to him. We are fed. We are fed through this word. This is sheep food. And it's all about Christ. It's all about him. So we feast on the... When, when we... When we eat, when, when it says, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, we, we feast upon him in the gospel, don't we? We feast in the green pastures of his word. And we're fed. And being fed, we're nourished. Gives us strength. Gives us joy. So we feast upon Christ and are fed through the preaching of the word and by the reading of the word and by the studying of his word. Now in ancient Egypt, this is, this is something that I always marvel at. Now the Lord, this is the Lord of glory, the ancient of days, right? God incarnate in the flesh and he uses everyday metaphors even that we can understand now, but even more for them during the, during the Israelite times, even more for them. Bread was an absolute staple in their diet. It was an absolute staple. In ancient Israel, the food eaten by the ancient Israelites during a period of over a thousand years from the beginning of the Israelite presence in the land of Israel at the beginning of the Iron Age until the Roman period the dietary staples were, number one, bread. Wine and olive oil. It also included grains and fruits and vegetables, dairy products, fish and meat. But when, when he's telling them that, that he's the bread of life, bread is a staple for them. The Roman legions, I remember reading a, a book on the Roman legions, and they would riot when they couldn't get their bread. One time, one of the leaders was giving them some meat instead of bread, and they rioted. <laughs> it meant so much to them. It was an absolute staple. They'd rather have that than meat. Now, religious beliefs prohibited the consumption of certain foods, so this shaped the Israelite diet, didn't it? And bread, as I said, was a, was a main component of that diet. So when our master proclaims, let's look again at 47 to 51 here. When, when our master proclaims that he was the bread of life, he was using a metaphor, a word picture, 
which was understood by them and, and easily understood by us, too. John six forty seven to 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Verse 49, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, now, they may not have understood the spiritual aspect, and they didn't, did they? Because we see that in the text. That must be revealed, that Christ is the bread of life. But they knew when he said, when he said I'm the bread of life, they knew how important bread was. They knew that. They knew that. <clears throat> and our Lord makes it quite clear from scriptures that he is the bread of life. We know from verses 41 and 42. Look at 41 and 42. Then, or the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which cometh down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith he, that I come down from him? They, they didn't have a clue what he was talking about spiritually. They had no idea. No idea. No idea what he was saying. So the natural man in his unregenerate state does not know Christ. He must reveal himself to us. He must. And we see it right there in that text. Right there. They didn't understand. They heard him say that he was the bread of life. And that they must eat him. But they were offended thinking carnally and not spiritually. And look at further down in our text here. Many who followed him were offended at his words. Look at John 6 in verse 60 to 66. Many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Now remember earlier today in John 4, we saw him say to the Samaritan women that, that those his people would worship him in spirit and truth. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning. Look at that. Look at that, beloved. Oh, my. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said, said I unto you that no man can come unto me except that were given him of the Father, of my Father. Now, and then it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That's the same as when we proclaim that you can't come to Christ by your own doings. And people just walk away. Nothing's changed. No. Salvation's a miracle of God's grace. A miracle of His grace. He regenerates us and draws us to Christ. The Holy Spirit does. And we, we flee to Christ. And He manifests Himself to us, doesn't He? Through the Scriptures. And then He keeps manifesting Himself to us. And we grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of our wonderful Savior. 
So our Lord Jesus used simple metaphors all through the Scriptures. All through the Scriptures. Just like the one set before us, as Him as the bread of life. He also said that He was the door. How many times do people go through doors every day? In order to get out to the vestibule and outside, we have to go through two sets of doors, beloved. Christ said, I'm the door. In order for me to go out the front here, there's no other way for me to go except out front, is there? Now, I can go out the back, but if I want to go to the front and stand on the porch, I've got to go through these two doors and go out and stand out there. Christ said, I'm the way to the Father. I'm the door. There's no other door. Simple metaphors. Then he said, I'm the vine and the branches. They knew what that meant. In ancient Israel, they knew what that meant. And Paul pens that he's the head and we're the body. We can understand that. Can't we? The head has the preeminence and the body does whatever the head tells it to do. See, simple metaphors. And then we just marvel at that. This is, this is Jehovah, the self-existent one, bringing things to, down to such a level. But unless the Holy Spirit shows us, we'll never see it. We're, we'd be just like those, those who left. My. Then he says, we saw tonight in Brother Jim's read. He's, Paul says, other foundation can no man lay. We saw last week in our study last week in the Christ Is series that, that, that he's the foundation. He's the foundation. Can't lay any other foundation other than Christ. And then the building's built upon that foundation. Everyday metaphors. They knew what that meant. They, they laid foundations down then. Precious truth. Precious truth. Simple metaphors. Precious truth. But it must be revealed to us. It must be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit of God. And when we're born again, we're given an understanding of who Christ is, who Christ is, what he's done, and where he is. And we're get, that, that's a gift. That's a gift from God. If, if that's being revealed to you, rejoice. Because it's not revealed to everyone. And then, Vicky and I were talking about this today, you just stand in awe. This has been revealed to me. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve redemption. I don't, I, don't, I don't deserve to be redeemed. But it's all according to the good pleasure of his will. My, oh my. What, what, what mercy. And then we live a life of constantly looking to him. Constantly resting in him. Constantly reposing in him. I saw Brother Calvin in that, in that, in that casket. And I said to Roy, I said, he's reposing. He's at repose. That's what they say when folks are, have died. They say they're at repose. He's resting. Now, that's just the shell of Brother Calvin. But that's what it means to cease from your labors and to repose in Christ and him alone for salvation. You don't do anything. You rest. You rest and you trust in him for your salvation. That's why we gospel preachers say, rest and repose in Christ. Just, just rest and repose in him. Now, bread is some kind of either corn, rye, or wheat, or barley that's been thrashed and ground. 
It's been thrashed and ground. It's been kneaded and baked. And then it's food for us. It's been thrashed and ground, kneaded and baked. And then it's food for us. And we eat it. And we're nourished by it. We're nourished by it. So Christ is for the believer our spiritual bread. He's our spiritual bread. Let us remember, turn if you would to Luke chapter 24. Let us remember that our Lord was thrashed and ground in his suffering and dying. He was thrashed and ground in his, in his suffering and dying. And it was necessary in order for his being made bread for us. He gives his flesh. Look at Luke 24 verses 45 to 47. He must die upon Calvary's cross. He must. Why? To redeem his people from their sins. He must. He must. He must be thrashed and ground. Oh, and think of the wrath of God's justice poured out upon our mighty Savior. Look at Luke 24, verses 45 to 47. Then opened he their understanding. That's what he must do for every believer in Christ. He opens our understanding. Born again. That they might understand the scriptures. If he doesn't open up the scriptures, we won't understand nothing. Look at this though. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ. This was necessary. Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the, from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. It says it behooved Christ to suffer. It was necessary. It was necessary in order to satisfy, in order to satisfy God's justice. Otherwise, there would be no redemption, no justification, no propitiation, and no satisfaction. It behooved Christ to do this. Because his whole reason for coming here was to redeem his people from their sins. And this is why it is absolutely vital. Every time a man gets in this pulpit, or down preaching Sunday school, or teaching Sunday school, to preach Christ, to teach Christ in him alone. We must preach Christ crucified. It's absolutely vital. This was the main subject of Paul's preaching. He preached Christ and him crucified. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Look at what Paul writes here. The, the apostle. He doesn't use fancy language. Right? He preaches Christ and him alone. And he is a learned man. Look what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech. Now, now he was learned. He could have spoken excellency of speech. We know that. He sat under one of the, the, the most famous teachers before he was saved, although he counted that all but dung, but still, he, 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 he knew oratory, he had oratory skills. You could speak. 
not with excellency of speech or, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you. Look at this. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. He didn't use fancy words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand. Look at this. Now, now this is the preacher's right here. This is our hope. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man. It's not based upon what you do. Look at this. But in the power of God. Christ is the power of God and the salvation today. He's the only one I can point you to. The only one. I like Paul. I preach Christ and him crucified. That's the one that's that's the one charge for the preacher. Preach Christ and him crucified. Somebody told Brother Henry one time, they said, All you do is preach Christ. He said, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And never preach Christ too much. Turn, if you would, over to John chapter 12. Our Lord proclaimed that he must suffer to give us life. Now, he said he's the bread of life, right? He must suffer. He must... He <laughs> Just like that bread need to be thrashed and ground, he must suffer. He must suffer. In our place, look at this. This is this is this is a wonderful little portion. Two verses, John twelve verses twenty three to twenty four. Look at this. He proclaimed that he must suffer to give us life. And Jesus answered them, saying, "The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a corner of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone." But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He's talking about his suffering. He's talking about what he must do. Here he compares himself to a single corn of wheat. The choicest. One commentator said, For the choiceness and excellency of, above, of it above all other grain. And think of that in light of him being the cheapest of 10,000. He also compares himself to the corn of wheat. Gil comments this. John Gil says this. For the purity and cleanliness of, of it, being even in his human nature, nature, pure and free from sin. And for its fruitfulness, he being fruitful in himself, in himself, and the cause of all fruitness in his people. And for its usefulness for food, he being the bread of life in the finest of wheat, end quote. The finest. So we know that wheat must be thrashed and ground and sifted and kneaded and baked before it is fit for food. All this expresses the sufferings and death of Christ in order for him to be proper food for his people. And also note that here our Lord compares himself to a single corn of wheat. Notice that. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat. A single corn. 
because he was of little account among men. Little or nothing was expected of him. He was turned away by the who's who of religion, right? And here he's comparing himself to a single corn of wheat, which has reference to the fact that he bore the wrath and justice of God alone for his people. Alone. He must die in order for us to live. And let us take note that this corn of wheat falls to the ground, which signifies the death of Christ. And let us take note of this. He willingly went to that cross. He willingly went to the cross. He willingly went to his death. It was not on accident. It wasn't plan B. He willingly went to the cross. And the Father willingly sent him from eternity. God himself becomes a man. Willingly. To die to redeem his people from all their sins. In John 6.51, keep this in mind with this. The son willingly dies for his people. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. He shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh. There it is. Which I give for the life of the world. He is sent willingly by the Father. John 6, 57, it says this. Says the, look at John 6, 57. As the living Father has sent me, he was sent by the Father. He came willingly, but he was sent by the Father. And I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Christ's death was designed and determined in the councils of eternity, beloved. In the councils of eternity. In the purposes of God. And it was all to give God and bring God glory. Glory. It was for his God's glory alone that the Lord Jesus Christ left. He says, he says he's the one who come down from heaven. He left the glories and splendors of heaven for the glory of God. To save his people, to redeem his people, to purchase his people from all their sins. To pay the price that, that not one of us could pay. God demanded that to be paid. We're ruined by the fall, aren't we? Dead in trespasses and sins. No hope. Christ comes down from heaven to die upon the cross for his people, to purchase us, to redeem us. Marvel, beloved of God, Christ speaking here of his death, when he says, I'm the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And that bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now think of this, beloved. Think of this. Christ speaking here of his death. If you're one of his, 
He's speaking this for all his sheep saved and lost. It was for you. It was for me. It was for all who believe upon him. May we leave this place in awe of his mercy towards us. Everything that has life must have food. Everything that has life must have food. We cannot live without food. And we see in our text that Christ is the bread of life. Food. He's the believer's food. He's our substance. Substance. And without him, take him away. What happens? We perish. We perish. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4 says this. And think of this in light of take the food away and you take the life away. Take Christ away from the believer and we have no life. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4 says this. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ who is our life. He's our life. Shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Take away Christ and we have no life. But oh, no one will ever do that. Because we are in Christ kept in him. By him. By Jehovah. The self-existent one. The eternal one. Is the one who keeps my soul. That's why we say trust in him. Trust in Christ. Flee to Christ. He's the only hope for any sinner. Any sinner, any, your sin be black, flee to Christ. He's, he saved this sinner. He saved other sinners. And he'll not turn away anyone who comes to him. Oh, my. So let us note some things about Christ, who is the bread of life for believers. Let us note a few things. And we see so far in the text that Christ willingly became the bread of life for his people. So let us consider Christ who is the bread of life is given bread. Given bread. Look at John six thirty two to 35. He's given bread, beloved. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Christ, who is the bread of life, is given to his people by God the Father. The Father gives his people Christ freely according to his own will, according to his own purpose, without our asking. <laughs> oh my. Or without our seeking him. We, we, now, when we're made willing, we seek him and we cry out to him, don't we? But before that, any of us are, who are saved here, I ask you, 
And I know it's true for me. I did not seek God before he called me. Is it so for you? But oh, when he made me willing. Oh, I ran to Christ. So the Father gives his people Christ freely and according to his own purpose. All according to to God's will. It's his choice. And Christ is God's unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says this, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And that's Christ. That's Christ. So may we marvel, we who believe, marvel in the grace of God shown to his people in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now Christ delighted to do the Father's will. And it was the Father's will that Christ would be the bread of life for his people. And may we marvel. And may we say, what wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul. That the Lord Jesus Christ would go to Calvary's cross and redeem my eternal soul, would pay for all my sins by the shedding of his his precious blood and by his perfect atoning work. And that's what he did. That's what he did. As I said today, earlier this, this morning, let us publish and proclaim his mighty works. That's why Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. There's no other hope for us. No other hope for sinners. The second point is, Christ is the living bread which comes down from heaven. Look at John 6.51. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. All the condescension of our great God and King. All other bread is a dead thing, but this bread, Christ, The bread of life is living bread. Living bread. Christ was alive. And then he died. And then he rose from the grave. He's living bread. He's living bread. And he's the living bread which came down from heaven. Revelation. Turn if you would to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. He died upon the cross and he rose and and he lives forevermore right now, beloved. He lives forevermore. And because he lives, we will live also. We who believe. Because he lives, we will live also. Look at this. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 to 18. Look at this. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and that was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Beloved, he's the living bread. And have the keys of hell and of death. He's the living bread, beloved. He's the living bread. And do you know that he lives to make intercession for us? Hebrews says this. But this man, Christ, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He's able to save whoever comes to him. To the uttermost. One preacher said to the gutterman. 
circumstances, whatever, whatever situation you come in. He's able to save the vilest sinner. And I know because he saved me. He is. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He lives to make intercession for his people. And he is the living bread. He's alive. And he came down from heaven. The third point is this bread is the bread of life. And, and it is Christ. Look at John 6, 48 to 51. This bread is the bread of life. And this bread is Christ. I am that bread of life. Verse 48. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. They died. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This bread, Christ, is not only living bread, but it's a bread which gives life. It's the bread which gives life. Other bread maintains life. But he gives life. This bread gives life. This bread gives life. It makes those, it makes those who were dead alive. This bread gives life. Christ alone is the living bread. Christ alone is the living bread. And he that eats this bread by faith, who looks to Christ, which is a gift of God, shall never perish. That's the words of the master. <laughs> My. Fourth point is this bread is this bread of life is the true manna which come down from heaven. Manna was the bread which God gave the Israelites from heaven fresh every morning. It came down in the dew. It was small, round, and white. In the time of gathering, it was the morning. And this manna was a type of Christ, beloved. The true manna. Christ who is the true manna. Come down from heaven. For his people. One commentator mentions this. As that came down from heaven. As the man that came down from heaven. So did he. That in a dew. He is in the dew of the gospel. As that it was little round and white. So is he. Little in his humiliation. Round in his eternity without beginning of days or end of days. White in his spotless innocency. He, he was perfect. He was spotless. As for the time for gathering, that was in the morning. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. And it fed the Israelites well in the wilderness. So the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ feeds our soul. Christ feeds our soul while we are in the wilderness of this world. Praise God for 
for Christ, who is the true manna from heaven. Look at John 6.55. The last point is Christ is the believer's meat and drink. Look at this. John 6.55. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Beloved, he was not a shadow of the meat. Christ is the substance. The substance. The believers meet and drink. We feast upon him. Through the preaching of the word. Through studying the word. Through hearing the word read. Through fellowshipping with one another. When we talk about Christ, does not your heart burn within you? So every creature is sustained with food that is suited to it. Every creature is sustained with food that is suited to it. Christ is the believer's sustenance. He alone is our spiritual meat and drink. He alone. He alone. As spiritual beings, right, we're born again. We must have spiritual food. The scriptures. The gospel. Christ. 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 Give me more of Christ. Here are two things that our souls have need of. Two things that our souls have need of. Righteousness and strength. Righteousness and strength. And where are these to be had? Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 24. Isaiah 45, verse 24. Where are these to be had? Nowhere but Christ. Nowhere but Christ. Only in Christ. Look at Isaiah 45, 24. Surely shall one say in the Lord, have I righteousness. I confess before you that the Lord Jesus Christ is my righteousness. I do not depend on anything in myself, but only in the righteousness of Christ and what he's done. Surely shall one say in the Lord, have I righteousness and strength. He is our strength, isn't he? In our weakness, he is strong. He's strong. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. Everything in Christ is sweet to a believing soul. His promises, his promises, his pardons, how the fact that all my sins are pardoned and forgiven? All of them. All of them. His offices as prophet, priest, and king, they bring me great joy. His ordinances, all our joy and all our comfort is in Christ and Him alone. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. And His word is sweeter than honey. His love is sweeter than wine. And His presence is sweeter than anything. And beloved, God is satisfied with Christ. He's satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. And in Christ the believer finds full satisfaction for our souls. He's meat and drink to us, beloved. He alone is what? All our righteousness. All our righteousness. He alone is our strength. He alone is our redemption. 
He alone is our sanctification. He's everything to us. Psalm 36.8 says this, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Psalm 36.8, They shall be abundantly satisfied. God's people are abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Christ. Christ in him alone. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. <laughs> oh, my beloved. In Christ, the believer is abundantly satisfied. Abundantly satisfied. Oversatisfied. Satisfied and satisfied again. <laughs> my. And it's all in Christ. It's all in him. And the believer feasts on Christ because he's the bread of life. He's our bread. We feast upon him when we study his word. We feast upon him listening to the preaching of the gospel of God's free grace. And we eat daily upon him, don't we? Daily. Turn, if you would, to Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, 6. Look at this. Speaking of the believer in Christ. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The believer in Christ hungers and thirsts after righteousness, the justifying righteousness of Christ, which is imputed by God the Father and received by faith. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is to be taught of your need for Christ. Your need of this righteousness which is only found in Christ in him alone. The perfect justifying righteousness of Christ. And then to feast upon it continuously. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And to hunger and thirst after his word. God's people are thankful that they have this thirst and hunger. Is none but Christ can satisfy this hunger and thirst. And in Christ, the one perfect righteousness which satisfies God is imputed to his people. And it is perfect, beloved. And it's pure. And those clothed in it are complete in him. Complete in him. And as Matthew 5, 6 proclaims, filled. We're filled. And our desire and our hope, if you do not know Christ, if you do not hunger and thirst after righteousness, oh, our prayer is that God the Holy Spirit would create in you a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And all we know that all who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God have this hunger and thirst. Have this hunger and thirst. So let us close with this. The believer is clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And there's not a stitch of it that's our doing. 
It's all his perfect, his perfect work, his perfect obedience. And the believer is clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And what does this bring? This brings great joy to us. Because we know we're just saved sinners. It brings us great peace. And as we feast upon Christ who is the bread of life, we receive strength. Well, we're here upon this earth. What a Savior. What a Redeemer. Is Jesus Christ the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, oh, we come before thy throne just in awe of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ condescended and came down from heaven willingly to die upon the cross for his people and that you sent him and that your love was set upon us from eternity. It leaves the soul in awe to ponder to consider, to meditate upon these great and precious truths. And, O oh Lord, while we're here upon this earth, may we who are believers just feast upon Thee, Lord Jesus, in Your Word and in the preaching of Your Gospel. And we'll give You all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.